you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and we close your church. Let me say what he said. And we remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Now you are going to see, and we'll see later, that I talked to the other churches also, and he said different things to them. Now, let me just start. I wanted us to read this so I can say what I need to say. First of all, when he said this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What he was saying is that each letter was written to a particular church to handle a particular situation. However, there is a principle in it, there is a lesson in it for every Christian that gets to read it. Are you getting my point here? So the argument of which, whether the churches were literal or where you know, they represented the different church ages is irrelevant. Every church should read all the letters, the seven of them, and pick the lessons in each letter. That's the thing. And that's why we are looking at it. Why we are looking at these letters is so that we will see the things that the Lord loves, the things that the Lord hates, and we'll look at them and judge ourselves individually. That is, even though he was going to a church, actually he, was, he expected each individual to take the lessons in them and apply it to his or her life. Are you getting my point? Each person is supposed to take these things and look, and look at it. Like we're talking about examining yourself. You look at those things and say, how is this applying in my life? Along the line, we'll see that there are some general principles. We'll look at them deeper as we go on. For example, one of the things we will see, one of the general principles, is that you will see one, we should remember that Jesus said, I know your deeds. I know, let's go back to verse 2, chapter 2. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. That is, Jesus is watching what we are doing. He's watching how we are conducting our lives. It's not just a principle we are dealing with now, it's a person. He actually looks and says, Banky, I like the way you are doing this. I don't like the way you are doing this. He comes to my house and he says, how are you treating your children? I like this one. I don't like this one. How are you treating your wife? I like this part. I don't like this part. How are you doing your ministry? This thing you are doing is not good. This one is good. Improve in this area. It goes to every aspect of life and it has something to say. And I'm leaving that for you today. Take each aspect of your life and examine it. Read these letters and see what he has to say about them. Now listen to this. Everything has a consequence, you will find out. The ones he likes, he tells you there's a reward for it. The ones he doesn't like, he tells there's a judgment for it. He says if you continue like this, now you see as we go on, that he's patient. You will find out that he's patient. He's patient. He gives us time. He says later that I gave that woman Jezebel time to repent. So God gives us time. He expects us to improve. Please, I want you to follow. I want you to follow me very, uh, very closely. 
He expects us to improve. Every part of life, he's giving us time to improve. The fact that there's no judgment, and listen to this, the judgment will come if we don't improve. It will always come. It's a sign of his love. It's a sign that he has not given up on you and, and, and on me. But he expects us to improve in every area. Remember, there are things he looks at and he says this is good. And he wants you to know it is good. Sometimes, and you see as we go on, I'll, I'll mention them as we, you know, when we get to those areas. Sometimes there's something you are doing, somebody preaches and lets you know it is good. What that means is that reinforce it. Do it some more. Sometimes people don't realize how the promise of God, if God gives a promise in your life, when that promise comes, reading scriptures, that promise assumes that what you are doing now, you will continue it. Do you get my point? Yes, it assumes so. It doesn't assume that the promise will come to pass once it has been spoken. No. It assumes that the circumstances under which you heard that promise, there were certain things in your life at that time that must be continued. For example, Abraham understood righteousness and justice. And that was why, I, that was why the promise of Isaac in his life was going to come to pass. And the promise of his seed being many had to uh, the, the principle of righteousness and justice had to go into the lives of his children if that other promise was going to come to pass eventually. So when God called Abraham, he expected, Abraham, your primary job in your life now is to teach your children, your household, everybody in your house, righteousness and justice. And you will see Eliezer of Damascus, who was his chief, you know, the chief of his household, he knew it. Eliezer could handle gold. Eliezer had, he didn't tell Abraham what he was taking to go and look for a wife for Isaac. Only Brown said is get Isaac a wife. He decides how much good he's taking. He decides who is going. That was a, that is, he had lent righteousness and justice. And that was how, why God was able to bless him. Bless the household of Abraham. That's right. So when you are seeing the Lord Jesus here, there are things that he will say, I know you are doing this. What it means is continue doing that. And he will point, I want you to understand, the Lord is detailed about your life. He will look at you sometimes and say, I don't like the way you dress. And you'll be surprised he does that. I've, I've asked the Lord before. This thing, what do you think about it? I won't give you details now. Those who are very close to me, they know what I'm talking about. And the Lord says, sorry, I don't like it. Nothing wrong with it. Not something I will preach about. Just my personal life. You know, I told that the word of God has, well, I, we talk about four, but there, there's a fifth one. The word of God has four main aspects. There are what they call thy word. That's the promises. There's what they call thy precepts. That's the principles. There's what they call the commandments. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And it's what they call the testimonies. Testimonies are personalized commandments. Are you getting my point? And the Lord is that detailed about our lives. And he wants, to hand, he wants you to handle every area. I don't want to you know, sit on that now, but there are times just say, look, listen, this whole area, you are following the world. You are not, giving them as an, you are not living as an example. There are times God will say, listen, why do you always like to follow the world? Once the world introduced something, you know, one of these, this is my opinion, but I think I'm speaking for the Lord. One of the most foolish things men ever learned is how to sack trousers. And I believe God would just look at all his male children, say, oh, foolish Galatians. And really, and one of the things that displeases him is that he doesn't like you taking example from the world. That's just his own. That you should be the one teaching them how to behave. Listen, there are little, little things... <laughs> You must understand, as far as your life is concerned, God is concerned about every detail. I am convinced, <laughs> I say this, uh, you think this man, are you carrying this thing too far? No, but I'm not. 
I'm, cons- I'm convinced that many of the dietary nonsense that Christians propagate, Jesus is displeased with it. I think that hallelujah diet, you heard that hallelujah diet? Jesus said, remove my name from it. That hallelujah thing is my name. Call, your, call it chop grass diet. That's your problem. But don't put hallelujah inside it. I don't like it. The Lord Jesus actually comes and tells you, I don't like the way you talk. Some of you say, the way you talk is good. Teach it to your friends. Continue it. Teach it to your relatives. Teach it to the people that listen to you. Make yourself an example in this area. That's how detailed he is about our lives. Let's bear it in mind. I want us to bear it in mind. I have one thing I just want to bring out from this letter he wrote to the um, church in Ephesus today. That there are many things, like I said, let's just speak a few of them, but I will sit on one particular one. I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. Notice something, there are a lot of good things to be said about them. Did you notice that? Good deeds, they toil, the perseverance, and their intolerance for fake apostles. He said you cannot tolerate evil men. And unfortunately these days, a lot of us Christians, they say don't judge, don't judge, we tolerate a lot of nonsense. In the Western world, the things that God clearly said, I hate. They said, don't judge people, tolerate it. This week, the train system in London, London Underground, they've released a new rule that they will no longer say, ladies and gentlemen. They will now say, hello, everyone. Why won't you say, ladies and gentlemen? Because it discriminates against transgender, bisexual and questioning people. So if you say, ladies and gentlemen, you have used a binary system. You are that male or female. What about those who are another male or female who are questioning their identity? And I see, it still makes me laugh when Christians are eager to go and raise their family in London. You should be crying if you are living there. Please, let me talk. I will preach. Let me talk. It amazes me. People will tell you that in your country, there's no constant power. There's no constant power, but there is no school. Even if the proprietor is an adulterer, they will do prayer every morning. If he cannot preach, he will invite Pastor Okemote. This morning, the children will hear gospel by force. I grew up in a, well, I don't know whether I was a Catholic. Home. My mother was a Catholic, she, she's still a Catholic, pretending to be a Catholic, actually. But <laughs> My father was not, but he didn't contribute you know, in that area. So my mother was one that took us to church and all of that. But do you know the truth? Where did I hear gospel preached properly? School. I went to an Anglican secondary school. In the morning, everybody lined up. They would teach you the gospel. I was in boarding house. Our seniors would wake you up at 5 a.m. I still remember the Hamatan period. About four or five of us would cluster in one corner. And one senior in Form 5, which is now SS3 or SS2, but that was the last year in school, he would be preaching to us while we are trying not to sleep. He can't try it now in many of these countries. They will say it's indoctrinating children because literally we're children. At that time, somebody like me had not even hit the age of 13. I was not even yet a teenager. I was, I was in body house. The guy will wake us up. 
That's always to sing. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord. We didn't know it is that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. That the Lord has. You, you will sing. And it's still there till today. Children still fear authority. They still dodge when teacher is coming. And the only problem is that we don't have constant power. And if you go to London now, they already give you the date of the graduation of the children that graduated in five years' time. Whether you give me the date or not give me the date, we all graduate one day. You, in case you don't know, in a lot of Europe, England, you know, that's UK and the rest of Europe, they don't write father and mother again. They write parent one, parents two. When you are pregnant, you come to hospital. They don't say, who's the father? Where's the father? They say, where's your partner? Because most of them are not married. The woman is pregnant. My friend told me that when his wife was pregnant, he went to the hospital. They said that, where's the partner? I said, I'm not a partner. I'm a husband. What's your problem? I'm not a partner. I'm this girl's husband. I pay bright price before we come up for Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> and then people will be telling, you know, it irritates my body. Listen, everybody has his challenges. But please... Our challenges are inferior to those challenges. Look, my son is not going to go to a school where you keep condoms in the bathrooms. Listen, you can encourage behaviors with how you respond to it. Now, I'm going to explain something here. Somebody will not tell me that I want to give my children a destiny. I carry them to Canada where they have been doing pornographic movie awards for over 10 years. You know the way they do Oscars? The pornography, they have their own to open show. It makes the news. Red carpet. Literal red carpet. Listen, there are people who live there, they have to live there. I'm not saying, but then, please, don't be silly and open your mouth and tell me that to shift my children from where light is not constant, road is bad, to where morality is bad, rules are against God. Is giving the child a destiny. You don't believe in God. That's your problem. You don't believe in God. You're pretending. Faith is good for you. It's not good for your kids. That's what you're telling me. You don't believe in God. Forget this rubbish. It's not a new God doesn't answer us. He said, Banky, forget. They don't believe. God said, Banky, forget this. They don't believe. They are praying, praying. Is, is it prayer? Okay, just watch. Let me give this one an opportunity. See how, because you see, you see, <laughs> Let me tell you something about circumcision. Circumcision, I taught it here before. This is a sign of the covenant. Between who and who? That's the question. Circumcision on you, that is, I'm talking about when circumcision was the issue now, is a sign of the covenant your father had with God, not your own covenant. The sign of your own covenant is the circumcision on your own children. That was why God was going to kill Moses. Moses' life was saved when his wife circumcised their son. What does that tell you? Not circumcising his son, he was breaking the covenant. I said, oh. So you want to see what you believe? Check when you are making decisions about your children, not about your life. It's when you are making decisions. When God wanted to check whether Abraham trusted him, he didn't ask Abraham to hang himself, he said, kill Isaac. He didn't ask Abraham to hang himself. What did he tell him to do? Kill Isaac. Let me 
these people making decisions? I'm like, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in God. How did I get to that? We tolerate. I thought I was digressing. I know. What we tolerate, God holds us responsible for it. It's sad. <laughs> he said, you are put to test those who call themselves apostles, but they are not, and found them to be false. This, this, I am not, before I say, Banky, don't judge. I, oh, I have two responsibilities now, and they are heavy responsibilities. James said, don't want to be a teacher. There are two responsibilities. I have to decide for myself who is false, and I have to teach those who listen to me who is false. Look, before, there are days, you know, before you're you are in a church, they are doing something, you go there, there they look. Now, there are churches I, I don't like to go to some, some, some church because I think people will be looking, waiting for my response. If I'm in the church, they say, everybody stand up, put your hand in your pocket, bring out the money there, show it for everybody to see. When I was a younger boy, I could do that. But now, I know when I'm in places, people know I'm there. So who's that, Pastor Panky? Once you give the eyes turn to check how I'm responding. So my conduct instructs people. It's a heavy responsibility. I know sometimes we take risks with such things because you, you want to be sure that what you're saying is correct. But I have a duty to tell people what is false. That's why I say it all the time. Any prophet, anyone at all, who starts pointing fingers at human beings as a cause of your problem, the prophet is either totally false or at that moment he's confused. I don't know one to it. If any man tells your breakthrough is tied to your offering, he's a liar. He may not know his line, in which case he's confused. And I need to tell it to those. Paul said to Timothy, he said, but he said give attention to this so you can save yourself and those who listen to you. I have a duty to those who listen to me. There are people out there, their job is to make merchandise of the souls of believers. I have a duty to prevent that happening in the lives of those who listen to me. I now make enemies. I don't care. You know, when God is planning your life, you don't even know. When I was a youth copper, one night I dreamt. I've told you about the dream before. When I woke up, I began to meditate and write things. And one of the things that stuck in my mind is banking. This ministry don't subject it to anybody. I didn't even know why. Now, nobody censors what I say. My wife and I, from the money God gave us, we paid for this hall for the first time. Don't need anybody's consent concerning what I say here. From here, I put the things on the airwaves. I put it on the internet that I might save those who listen to me. We have tolerated a lot of nonsense in the body of Christ. You don't want to criticize people. I know your deeds, your toil, and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. But we won't talk about how you, you decide that one. You found them to be false. You have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary. So they have something good. They have something very good. Or some things good for the, with them. For which the Lord could speak about them. Could commend them. He now said in verse 4, but, somebody say but. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, he says, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Now, notice something, though. He had good things to say about them. They don't tolerate evil people. 
They don't tolerate false apostles. But he says something here. You have left your first love. Go back to the deeds you did at first. Repent and do those deeds. Or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of your place, out of his place, unless you repent. He said, but this you have. That is, they have some good things. But listen to this. Please look up. They have some good things. But those things were not enough to prevent the Lord from shutting them down. Are you getting my point? No matter how good you are as a child of God, please watch out for areas where you are not very good and improve on those areas. That's why I keep on saying, Christians, you can't hang on the good you have when you want to negotiate with God. If he says this good, take that thing and hold it tight. But don't say because of that, something good. No, no, no. Look at that other areas and continually improve. These people, they didn't tolerate false apostles, evil men. They had perseverance. But God said the good things you did at the beginning, you have forgotten them. He said, if you don't go back to doing them, then I'm going to have to close your church. Many good people have been closed. To you, they are very good. But God said, there's something about their life. I told them to improve. They did not improve, so I closed them down as individuals. Because this applies to a church and applies to individuals. In fact, when he said, he that has an ear, he was not talking about the church that has an ear. It's the individuals in churches that have ears. You are getting my point here? Each person would apply this to his or her life. So sometimes, you'll be surprised. You say, why do good th- bad things happen to good people? It's good in your eyes. From the side, you can see. There are areas in which God said, oh boy, improve. He refused to. 10 years, 15 years, so God shut him down. Shut him down different areas, which could be removing him from this life and say, go to, the another, to another life. I don't want you here again. That's why all of us, we have to, listen, we don't have a, look, we don't have a choice. We have to settle down regularly and examine our lives. But he said, this you did at first. That's what I want to talk about. Let me just introduce it, then we'll close. You know, I thought about it. Now, I don't know how you're going to link this, but let me just go into talking about it briefly. A while ago, actually, I started writing an article. I didn't, it would be a blog, but I didn't finish it. And I remembered it this evening as I was meditating about this meeting. I thought about it. I said, that's the message the Lord actually has for today. Now we have reached it. You know what? If you read your Bible, you will notice something. It happened to many men. As people get older, they love the Lord less. I'm not saying it must happen to everybody. Let me put it like that. It's one major risk in life. Remember Solomon. As a little boy, he prayed the kind of prayer that God was so impressed. Wow! Solomon, your father taught you well. At the end of his days, what happened? He married fake women who were worshipping idols. He tolerated their idolatry. He did not worship idols. Solomon never did. But he tolerated the idolatry and he was judged for it. You know the way these young girls are? There's no need. He just wants to build a temple unto Baal. Give her a small plot of land. You know she's not an Israelite. That's how old Solomon was talking. So the girl will come and say, eh, you didn't come for my temple opening ceremony. <laughs> Solomon says, ah, ah. Hey, Nefertiti, because of, <laughs> because of the ordinary temple opening, that's why you're talking to an old man like that. 
They don't touch me. Why would I touch you? You know, I paid bright price for you, don't you know? The girl will do face like this. Just by the way. Men, follow my example. Ask my wife. They don't do face for this guy and get anything out of it. It's not good. It's satanic. If you want something, open your mouth. Let's talk about it. We're adults. And they they feel like it. Now I'll carry my face good the other side too. I'm telling you the truth, though. Just use the word of God. Don't use emotions to live your life. That's why Solomon messed everything up. That's why Solomon started exhorting young Egyptian girls for sacrifices in the temples of Ra. And God closed him down for it. He tolerated that. Now, it's very common. Asa, the same thing. Asa did not have any trouble for a very long time in his life. 35 years of the reign of Asa, everything was good. In the 36th year was when, of what was the end of 35 years, he was beginning to backslide. He did not know. Listen to me, it's very common. You go to your Bible. Now, this will interest you. Do you know even Moses, even Moses, when he became very old, he too started misbehaving. When God killed Moses, go and read, listen to our series on it, why God killed Moses. When God killed Moses, it was not because he was angry with Moses. It was that he was feeling sorry for Moses. Moses had become tired. Now, you say it's a small thing that happened to him. But for Moses, no be small thing. I don't know whether I get my point. For Moses, it was not a small thing. He couldn't say it was a mistake. You were telling me about a man that was condemned to death because he shot somebody. And he said it was an accidental discharge. And what did the judge say? For a man of your experience, a senior military officer, you don't discharge weapons like that accidentally. You must have done it deliberately. His argument was accidental discharge. The judge said, no. You are too experienced for that kind of discharge. I saw a movie long ago, Kevin Costner, I think. Same thing. He killed about two or three men in self-defense. When they dragged him to court, the judge said, you can't plead self-defense. You are from the special forces. Your training is done too much. You could have incapacitated those men without killing them. No? They refused the argument of self-defense and sent him to jail for manslaughter. Yes, they picked a fight with him. You get my point? And he defended himself and killed the men in the process. But the judge said, no, I will not accept self-defense for killing them. Yes, it won't be murder, but you are going to jail. That's what happened to Moses. God looked at Moses. What you and I will have said was a small thing. Strike the rock. Uh, speak to the rock. He struck the rock. Maybe water still came out. Oh, you rebels. Uh, you, you want me to bring water for you regularly? Eh? I look like water works now, Abby. <laughs> That small comment. God said, hey, Moses, Moses, Lila. It looked harsh, but it was because it was Moses. Believe me, if it was me, I would enter the promised land. <laughs> if it was me, God would just say, oh, thank you, don't do it again. No. They are confessed. Kneel down there and repent of your sins. And then I would say, Lord, I'm sorry. The way Israel, Okemote, Felix, and all these people who sit in front, the way they do in Kingdom World, that's why I was openly talking nonsense with my mouth. Because I understand. I'll deal with them later. You just confess. <laughs> but with Moses, why would I get away with it? I'm a small boy. Can't you see it? Thank God for my life. <laughs> what have I seen? Have I divided the Red Sea? 
I'm not seeing anything. So, so the Lord will just forgive me. But for Moses, like, like, but why did Moses make that mistake? He was getting tired. He was getting weak. His strength was waning. So that's why God said, let's not forgive him. Let's kill him. Why? Because if we don't do this, if Moses lived for another long period, he will build a, he will want to build a calf. And when he's building the calf, you wouldn't believe it. And he will do the same way Solomon did it later. This is realized they want a calf. Bezalel. Yes, my Lord. Do you still have your gold skills there? Say yes. Make one small monkey for those people. They are all monkeys. Don't mind them. <laughs> and for God, that will be a sin. So God said, kill this guy now. 120 years, let him go. It's a danger of life. That's what I'm pointing out to all of us. Many of us who were vibrant Christians on campus, sometimes I look at people sometimes, I could just shake my head. You wouldn't believe these people used to love the Lord. That's where I'm going. Over time, we tend to lose that favor we had when we were young. It's a tendency. It's a tendency. We need to talk about it so as to warn us about it. That is what I'm talking about. I was a Christian on campus. I know what we used to do. Go to sports complex and pray at night. Room to room evangelism. Fight over who's reading this book, who's not reading this book first. We need all the Christian musicians in town. Are you getting my point? There was a heat and fervor with which young people served the Lord. Generally, this is what happens to them. They begin to prosper. They get married. They have children. Then those things gently, it's called the expulsive power of a new affection. Oswald Chambers, not me. Oswald Chambers called it the expulsive power. No, Oswald Sanders. He said, or Oswald J. Smith. There are three Oswalds that say things like that. <laughs> one is Sanders, one is J. Smith, one is the Chambers. They called it the expulsive power of a new affection. They easily start forgetting the thing they used to do. And the church in Ephesus, that's what was happening. For example, they were known for evangelism, as an example. Doing outreaches. They loved to reach out to people. But then the young boys, young girls, they became big boys, big girls. They married, they settled down. And evangelism was no longer important to them. They just sat in the church. They have prospered. Now they tithe regularly, in quotes. They give offerings. The church has prospered more than before. But what they were known for had disappeared. And that's one thing. Many ministries, that's what happens to them. They come to town with a bang. They are known for something. Then they settle. Then the Jeroboam spirit takes them over. They want to consolidate that which God had done for them before. Through human methods. And God says, I will have to close that church eventually. We'll continue from this point next time. But let me just explain something to us. We all have to be careful. What did I say? We all have to be careful that we continuously increase in our love for the Lord. Let me give you an example. This will sound very funny to, to you here. When I started in Kingdom, I noticed something about preachers. The longer they, they preach, as they are getting older, church is getting bigger, ministry is expanding, the shorter the messages. You know that? I said, God, it won't happen to me. So what, these days, ask my wife. I, I have said Chris Devan in front of me. <laughs> As my mentor in diarrhea. Four hours preaching is my, what I'm looking It's you I'm feeling sorry for. Were it not for that, my plan will start by three, close by seven. 
Trust me, I know go tire. If Holy Spirit is going down, I will kindle the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> what is my reason? I said this trend I saw, it mustn't happen in my life. And I noticed at the point in time, when I began in Kingdom World for many reasons, I used to preach for 50 minutes, one hour. And now, I confidently, it's because of you that I stopped in two hours. Honestly, it's because of you. If left to what is inside this guy's body, we will stop today in Revelation chapter 4. See, we're in chapter 2 now. Billy Akoni is my, is my guy in that area. Those of you sitting down here looking at me like, Pastor, won't you go home? Go for Billy's meeting. She be me, I'm even talking fast. Billy starts with, did you see it? <laughs> Paul said that the old man has been crucified with who? With Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Five hours. <laughs> Five hours, y'all listening. I said, look, look, forget all these 45, 45 minutes services in which message is 25 minutes. I'm sorry to say it, though. I don't understand it. Let me leave that one like that. I love Chris Devon. Chris Devon came for our last convention. On the road, his car had an issue. So he had, because he couldn't get, we couldn't get a flight to Benin, so he had to come by a road. So we had to send rescue mission, all of that. So they told me that, ah, brethren should go and eat too. Because when Chris Devon arrives, we will not start the meeting. My, I've had experience with that before. I said no. Different people came and said, I was present at that time. They said, please, let the people go and eat. I said, no. They said, when Chris Devon comes now, you know he has to rest. I said, don't worry. Let him be resting. We'll be inside this hall. When he finishes, we'll eat. Thank God I was listening to the spirit. They were listening to the flesh. You know what happened? As soon as the man arrived... He sent a message that he's coming from his car to the pulpit. The rest they were talking about, okay, let's get you something to eat. He said, no, just get me water. Banky, don't worry, water will be okay. <laughs> he sat down. We we're greeting somebody. Then he came, came, he sat down. He took over the mic around 10 o'clock. What time was it? Was it around 10? We finally went home around 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm not joking, no. A man who has been on the road from Abuja, Abuja to Benin, is slightly longer than Abuja, the, the, the Abuja to Enugu. He has been on the road. The car spoiled somewhere. They had to go and do some rescue, get him out there. His wife just went straight to their room to go and sleep. The man entered with wrong put clothes, oh. clothes that he had used to stand with mechanic. He just came, just got the microphone. The Lord is my light. And you know, he sings like his spirit. The man began to preach. Who dared me? President, fall asleep for where? There are times he's preaching, I'm nodding, but my spirit has slept. <laughs> my body is there like this, I'm nodding. <laughs> my spirit was asleep. So I told myself, this guy is my mentor. I called him last week. He was on the West of America. I'm just with guy. When he comes, I had to greet him regularly. I am ne- Look, by the time I'm 90, young boys will say, drink coffee, oh. Pastor Banky is the one of ministry. Gilead <laughs> uh, uh, is older than me, is he not? Yeah. He's still preaching many hours. All this one of coming to church for 30 minutes is not the will of God. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the will of God. Sadhu Sunda, sing. Not self barrage sing. One day, years ago, he, went, he came to, London, uh, to New York. Those days, you know how, many, how long it takes? If, you know where Christopher Columbus, 
got to in, um, America. You know why they call the Native Americans Indians? Do you know why? Because he thought he was in India. So when he arrived in America, he, he was going to India. So he thought he had stumbled on India through another route. He didn't know it was another continent entirely. Now I'm trying to tell you, India is very far from the U.S. So those days used to be months on ship to get to America. Sadhu Sundar Singh arrived to come and teach in New York. He walked around the city. He said, these people don't have the time to hear the word of God. He boarded the next boat and went back to India. Do you understand? A man traveled for two, three months to get to America. He walked around New York and said they can't hear the gospel. And he went back to, America, to, to India. Because Sadhu Sundar Singh is the type that sits down and teaches for one week. 48 hours is not a big deal. He's a man that has believed that. He just vanished. They never saw him again. So this one is coming to jail for 30 minutes. Me, I don't understand it. I will go to Makati. You know what I tell you? See? We will drive four hours to get to Makati. Preach for one hour. Lie, lie. I said, if I drive four hours to get to Makati. No. Oh, yeah. Share what with them for 20 minutes. When it's done, give me the microphone. I start my own. I can't drive four hours. I will now preach for one hour. Because of what? I found out something. We often lose the work we did at first. If I ask many people here who are Christians on campus, when did you read a book last? So, guy, you know I walk from nine o'clock, from seven a.m. to nine p.m. That's why Jesus is angry with you. When last do you join people? They say they are doing evangelism. Ah, that's why he's not happy. You used to solve all the problems with prayer. Now you solve it with phone call. You see why he's not happy? <laughs> many of the things we call progress in life. It's actually the things that are making God, that's Jesus, unhappy with us. Good enough, he didn't say specifically what they were doing before. So all of us can apply it. He said, you have, neg- you have forsaken your first love. He said, remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first. Let's bow down our heads. We'll pick it up from there next time. Please, you've heard word today, words. Pray with those things. Things you tolerated. Say, Lord, give me insight on how to know apostles that are fake. It's not everybody that tells you to do something, you do it. There was a prophet. An old prophet told him to do something and he died for it. Because he obeyed an old prophet. You have to learn how to test things and know what is right. Say, Lord, give me that discerning spirit today. Say, Lord, thank you for liberating truth. Thank you for liberating truth. Say, Lord, thank you for what you have done for me in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, thank you for what you have done for me in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, thank you for what you have done for me in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for what you have done for me in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for what you have done for me. Just keep telling him, thank you because you have set me free. You have forgiven my sins. You have lifted me above principalities and powers because I'm seated on your right hand with Christ Jesus. Thank you, because my rank in the realm of the spirit is high. I am in Christ. I am in Christ. Therefore, I am not under the forces of darkness. I can resist sin. I can resist sin. I am not in bondage to sin. I have been set free. Say, Lord, I thank you, because my prosperity is in Christ Jesus. It's not my own sacrifice. It's his sacrifice. He's the one that sacrificed for me to be free. Say, Lord, I thank you. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. One more thing. Say, Lord, thank you for healing. Say, Lord, thank you for healing. If anybody, any, every, anybody has any way that's spinning, ailing him or her, think of that area and say, Lord, thank you for healing. Thank you for healing. Now I speak to that area. Be well there in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Yes, because Jesus paid for it. That is the base upon which I make that statement. Be well in the name of Jesus. Every affliction, I rebuke it now by the power of that word out of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare to you that healing is permanent in your body in Jesus' name. Wherever it might be, if anywhere in your body, from the top of your head to down to the soles of your feet, whatever the affliction is, I rebuke it by the power of that word that says himself took your infirmities and your diseases, and by his stripes you have been healed. I declare healing is your portion in Jesus' name. This coming week, prosperity is your portion. Favor is your portion. Safety is your portion. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will guard you in all your ways. Listen, no evil will befall you, and no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. It is well with you. God will perfect everything that concerns you. In Jesus' mighty name. Remember, the peace of God is with you. So when you get home, say, peace be upon this house. And I declare to you that favor will enter that house. In the name of Jesus Christ. And let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless somebody on your left or your right. Bless another person. This is your season of multiplication and dominion. Bless one more person, please. Bless yourself. This is my season of multiplication and dominion. All right, cheer up, brethren.